Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. They're really enslaved within them to sin. So now he's talking about, watch this, watch this, the freedom you have when you trust Christ that you'll have forever. And we'll also talk about the freedom you can have today when you continue in his word. Well, let's go back to the passage. So how can you say that? How is it you'll say you'll become free, Jesus? How can you say this? We've been free. What do you mean we'll become free? We're already free. And notice how Jesus answered. He says, truly, truly. Remember, brethren, truly, truly. Count how many times that phrase is found in the gospel of John. It'll overwhelm you. He says, listen, look at me in the eye. He says, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. So here's a question. How many of you have ever committed a sin? Would you raise your hand? Okay. I raise my hand, my other hand, both legs. We've all been sinners. We still will sin. So in a sense, we're still a slave to sin. Watch this. If I abide in his word as a Christian now, I will now be freed from the practical dynamics of sin as I live my life. The good news is when I've trusted Christ, that sin is already under the blood, completely forgiven, and I have eternal life. Back to the passage here again. So Jesus says, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Verse 35, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever in the house. I want you to think about it. Take the word slave out if it's a hard word for you right now. Think about it. If you had a maid or a butler or somebody who did your yard work, that would be like a slave. The only difference is you pay them and they go home. In those days, you bought them, you owned them, and they lived there, but you could fire them or put them out to sell them to somebody else if you want. You could release them if you wanted to, but a son was someone you would never release. Now, folks, this itself, for those of you that are Bible teachers, this is a good passage, again, to substantiate the doctrine of the eternal security of the believer. If you do not know Christ, then you're like a slave to that sin. You'll get out of that family forever, but a son never leaves. So here's a question. Two questions. The first is kind of like the same. Who am I and whose am I? Am I a son or am I a slave? Who am I and whose am I? Who am I? I'm a slave. But as a Christian now, whose am I? I belong to the Lord. How many of you got a driver's license with you? It seems like everywhere I go, people want my driver's license. It must mean that I don't, I look like a terrorist or something. I don't know, but they all want my, took Carol to the doctor and they wanted this thing. I went ahead and I did something on Black Friday. I never did. Never, I took Carol to the mall and I sat there and read, but I had to buy something. They said, show me your driver's license. If you pull out your driver's license, you know what this shows me? It gives me my identity. First thing it says, Stanley Pons. That's who I am. Stanley Rudolph Pons. Don't ever name your kids Rudolph. It's horrible at Christmas. Okay, Stanley Rudolph Pons. Has my picture on there, so it must be me. There's my identity. This is my earthly identity. Oh, look at this. It has a date of birth. April 7th. Write that down. All right, then it has a... uh, But you know what it doesn't have on here? It doesn't have my date of rebirth. See, that's a different license. And God says my date of rebirth. It's another date. Then it has here a number. H00916060. When I have my spiritual license, it just has one. Because like you, we're all number one with the Lord, that he loves us. Just and, and, and mine has an expiration date. I can still drive until I'm 70. Lucky for me and not for you, but I can drive till I'm 70. But you know what? My expiration date on my spiritual license, because I'm his son, is a word. It says, never, never. My identity with Christ 
will never, ever, ever end. I'm his son. I can't be placed out of his family. I will not be kicked out. I will be in his family, in his house forever. Verse 36 says, so if the son makes you free, and he does, you will be free indeed. I know that you're Abraham's descendants, physically speaking, yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. So that would be the second question. And the question you're going to ask now is, am I making room for the word of God in my life? Am I making a place for it? So again, for those of you that are the other side of salvation, again, we talked about faith in the Lord. The Lord is revealed in his word. So watch this. You have to believe his word, that his word said, that's the Bible, Jesus died and rose again. So now you have the written word talking about the living word. And it says in the word, the Bible, that if you trust in that word, that Jesus did all of that, you're trusting in Christ and you have eternal life. If you make place in your life for receiving the word, you can have everlasting life. Now you Christians that are on this side of salvation, you need to make place in your life as well so you can be freer indeed we adopted the two boys some of you heard that but as we adopted them a lot of people who pastors kids they they dump a lot of used toys on your kids and i appreciate that some bought them some new stuff i had one guy that loved our kids and gave him a hundred dollars took him over to walmart and says buy anything that you want and i said okay i'll go to walmart with you but they didn't buy me anything i wanted but they did for them so we their their, their closets would get filled with toys after a while it was so full it frustrated carol so she who's our garage sale queen she would then take this stuff out of the garage, out of the closet and talk to the boys. What do we got to get rid of? What do we got rid of? And they hated to do that until she said this. If we take these little boy toys out, then we have room for big boy toys. Do you want little boy toys or big boy toys? Well, what do you think? Big boy toys, you know? So now they don't have a closet. They have a garage for their big boy toys, right? But my point still being is you have to replace, watch this, the immature things that you might have had in your life when you were younger in the Lord and you're constantly cleaning out, watch this, so you can continue to make room for the better things in your life. You want the Lord to have all of your life. So some of that stuff that you know that is not honoring to him, you're not using it for his glory, get it out of your life. Make room for it. So ask yourself that question. Am I making room in my life? For his word, I pray that you are. Question number two, or statement number two of how to have freedom, and that is admit that what you're doing isn't working. Again, on the other side, for you that are non-Christians, I know that for a while you try, 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 but when you hit your head on the pillow at night, I wouldn't doubt for a moment that you still question, am I really saved? Will I really go to heaven? Is this really right? And everything you're doing, you know, is not working for you. Follow along in verse 39. They said to him, to Jesus, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said, if, Abraham, if you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham, which would be believe in the Lord, do good deeds. But as it is, you are seeking to kill me. Can you imagine that? A man who has told you the truth, which you heard from God, this man, this Abraham did not do. He did not try to kill people who were talking from God. You're doing the deeds of your father. Now they're beginning to scratch their head. And they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, and he's God. Now, pause. This is huge. Now, some of this, you might look a little squirrely here, but you've got to catch this. The little zinger that he gave, you, you've been born of fornication. They remember Mary and Joseph way back, if you recall, and how it looked like she was uh, with child out of wedlock, Jesus. So it's basically saying you were conceived out of fornication, kind of like a little gig over there to Jesus over there. And then they said, we believe in God as our father, so to speak. 
We know very clearly that these Jews were not blood-bought, born-again believers in Christ who would then go to the cross to pay for their sins. Which means, listen, listen, this is where I'm going with all this. There are a lot of people that say they believe in God and that will not give them eternal life. They're doing all the right stuff. They're naming God. They're crawling up the stairs. They're doing all their hail this and hail that. But they will never go to heaven. All you, you military people that have been over in Afghanistan and Iraq, you know more than anybody all these people that say, I believe in God, and they try to kill you. So they're not believing in the God of the Bible. How do you know? Because they're trying to kill Jesus. All right, let's go on. It continues where it says, Jesus says, um, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and have come from God, for I have not even come on my own initiative, but God sent me. See how we're all on this thing together, God and me? Why do you not understand what I'm saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. We'll talk about that in a moment. You are of your father, the devil. Can you imagine how much they've shaken up them? You are of your father, the devil. And you want to do the desires of your father. You want to act just like your father. You, you believe just like your father. You, you have motivations just like your father. So what were they? He was a murderer from the beginning. Sure he was. Some people say, yeah, Satan was a murderer from the beginning. Look what uh, Cain did to Abel. I'd like to say, no, he's a murderer before that because he murdered Adam and Eve's relationship with God. And it says, and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature for he is a liar and the father of lies. So if you want to, you can underline the word he's a murderer and he's a father of lies and he's a liar. And that's what Satan is doing today. And remember when Satan tells a lie, his lies aren't going to be so far out the field. His lies is going to be, watch this, watch this, so close to the real thing that it'll sound so much like truth that we want to believe it. That's why, Christians, we need to rightly divide, rightly know, rightly understand, rightly interpret the word of God with the purpose of applying it to our life so that God can continue to teach and balance us because Satan's lie is so close and he wants to murder. He wants to kill. All right, so what are the keys? Ask yourself, who's your father? Who's my father? Is it Satan or God? Secondly, am I listening to God's voice? And I pray that we are. Well, there's number three, and that is we need to stop resisting and start trusting. I'm going to read through this passage because I want you to look up on the screen for a moment. Go ahead and throw up the next slide, if you will. Resisting and you want to stop resisting and start trusting. Next slide, real quick. Flip it. Will it go to the next one? Slander, write that down. Next word. Argument, write that down. And sarcasm, write that down. Here's what I want you to know. The guys, the Jews, are taking three bazookas, slander, argument, and sarcasm, they're lies, and they're aiming it at Jesus. When I read through the passage, I want you to see what was a slander statement, what was an argumentative statement, and what was a sarcastic statement, and then you decide which ones they are. Don't try to split a hair. Just find those in there, because I want you to see that's how the world will attack you and your belief system and your God, and they will use slander, making up half-truths, Argument, they want to fight and argue and argue and argue and argue and argue for the sake of argument. They've got to win the argument. It's not about truth any longer. It's about their own pride to win that argument. And then lastly, sarcasm. They're going to make jokes about this whole thing. That's what they're doing to Jesus. Now see if you can find it, and I'm going to read through this passage. Just listen as I read to you. All right, starting in verse 45. But I speak the truth. You do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? 
I can imagine he paused and he looked around for that pregnant pause. Who's going to do that? Nobody, of course. If I speak truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason, you don't hear them because you're not of God. And the Jews answered and said to him, Do we not say rightly that you're a Samaritan and you have a demon? Remember those words. Slander, argument, sarcasm. And Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. But I do not seek my glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Truly, truly, there it is again. I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, and by the way, it doesn't say keeps my words, it keeps my word. What word does an unsaved person have to keep so that he'll never see death? It would be the word of believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. When Jesus says, he that believes on me will never perish, but have everlasting life. That's the word that you need to keep. That's the word you need to believe. That's the word you need to obey when he says, believe on me. And then it says, you will never see death. Now, physically, you're going to croak. You're going to die. But spiritually, you won't. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, the prophets also. And you say, if any man keeps my word, he'll never taste of death. See the sarcasm in there? Surely you're not greater than our father Abraham who died. The prophets died too. And who do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus said, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me of whom you say, he is our God. And you have not come to know him, but I know him. And if I say that I do not know him, I'll be a liar like you. But I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and he was glad. So the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old. How have you seen Abraham? Man, you'd think, Jewish guys, would you just get, you just want to slap them, don't you? I'm sorry, in Christian law. Get with the program. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly. There he is again saying that phrase. I say to you, before Abraham was born, what's the last two words? I am. Huge. Now, remember, three words, three bazookas. Slander, argument, sarcasm. In a point like a spear all wrapped up in one bomb, shot at Jesus. These are all lies toward Jesus. Now what you want to do, if you want, it's not in your notes. I got this this morning as I went through the passage again. I found three dynamic things of truth that he is now shooting back to them to prick their hearts, and you're going to see the result of what he had to say. So here are the three. Write them down if you want to. Number one, a believer will never die spiritually. And here's what he says in verse 51. It says, truly, truly, I say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Physically, yes. Spiritually, no. You will never see death. You that are afraid to die right now, I want you to know you need to believe his word when he says that he died and rose again. That's future coming in this book, but it's still the truth, Old Testament to New Testament. You will never die spiritually. Truth number two, that Jesus shoots back at the Jews. Believers can know God intimately. Believers could know God intimately. Oh, I just love that. All right, let's look at now, if you will, verse 54 and 55. Jesus said, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It's my Father who glorifies me, of whom he says he is our God. By the way, remember he said he's a great I am in a moment. And you have not come to know him, but I know him. That's an experiential, intimate knowledge. And if I say that I, if I say that I do not know him intimately, I'd be a liar like you. But I do know him and I keep his word. Why? Because he is God. So I want you to know as a believer, you can know him intimately. And that's what we teach here in depth, first part of the year. And the last is this. Believers do know, true believers do know that Jesus is God. Go back to verse 58. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, 
I am that I am that I am. Find that phrase all throughout the Gospel of John and then take it back to the Old Testament. Three, you'll never die. You can know him intimately and you know that Jesus is God. Those are three truths, watch this, that no matter what the people in the world come back and throw back at you, you still know you will never die. You trust in Christ. You know him intimately because you've trusted in him and you're abiding in his word. You know that he is Lord of your life as a believer in Christ, not to get saved, to stay saved, but because you are saved. You know he is God, and you have to give an account. So no matter what the world says, what you know, that wah, 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 that's the truth that sets you free. Now, you're left with how you're going to respond. Here's one choice, the last verse. Therefore they picked up stones to throw at him. Let's pause for a moment. I, I, I giggle at this, not because they're going to pick up throw, stones and throw at my Savior, but what I giggle at is these guys are just, I mean, they just, they love stones. I mean, at the beginning of the chapter, what was the first story we learned about? They wanted to pick up stones and throw them at whom? Remember? That woman, okay, that was caught in adultery. Hey, more rocks. Let's give it to Jesus. That's crazy. They're already breaking this whole thing because they're not to kill. There was no jury. There was no two witnesses. There was none of this kind of stuff. And by the way, had any Jew killed Christ, they would have had to answer to the Roman Empire because they were breaking Roman Empire law because while the Jews could pronounce judgment, only the Romans can carry out the execution. So these guys were just totally out of control. They wanted to throw rocks at Jesus again. So now, I don't think you want to throw rocks, but what they're really doing is, watch this, watch this, I don't want the message. I don't want the messenger. I want to get out of this church building as fast as I can. I want to get on with my life. I want to find my own truth my way. And the beauty of it all is the Lord will let you do that until you get so broken and then he'll be right there. And when there's ever loving arms, he's going to pick you up and you're going to say, are you ready to come in now? Would you trust me? The last it says this, and Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Some people say that was probably a miracle because they're all around there. How could he hit himself? He was right there. Practically, I think the guys were so excited, let's get him! And they all dove for the rocks. And as soon as he did that, Jesus went... (laughs) And by the time they gathered up their rocks, their stones, he was gone. Or he could have just done one of those... And evaporated. I don't know. But I do know this. It wasn't his time to die. Three words, write these three words down, and I want you to circle the one that best describes you. Number one, you want to put the word hater down there. Do I hate Jesus? Do I hate his word? And I want you to do it as a believer in Christ, because sometimes we say we love his word, but you won't make the commitment to get into his word. I love his word, but you won't be faithful at church to hear the word preached every week. Other things come in front of it and all of that. You, you, you say, I love the wor- word, and I, I love the Lord, but I don't have my quiet time. I don't know where you are, but are you a hater? You might not say it outwardly, but is it showing by your actions as a believer? Those of you who aren't a believer in Christ, are you a hater because you're not willing to do what it says by believing in Christ? The second word is the word waiter. I don't mean like a waiter like somebody who waits at a fancy restaurant. I mean someone who waits around. Are you going to continue waiting? Remember, there's a lot of Jews that didn't pick up the rocks, and they're waiting, need more information, need more time. Not really sure. Go check this thing out. I'm going to wait around. I know once I trust Christ, I'm going to maybe do something different with my life. And I don't want to do that yet because I'll be a hypocrite. So instead of being a hypocrite, I'm going to be on this side of salvation. The only problem is you don't know when you're going to go through the windshield of your car. You do not know when you're going to die. Hater, waiter, and the last word is the word taker. How many of you are going to be a taker of this truth? 
that you're going to say, I'll believe that Jesus is God. I'll believe that he went to the cross. I believe that salvation is by faith without works of any kind. I'm trusting him. I'm a taker. How many of you as a Christian are ready to step over the line as a believer and say, I am ready now to give it all up as a Christian, not to stay safe, but because I am. I'm going to take all of him. I'm going to empty my closet so I can put into my closet all the word that I can get in there with the purpose of not just knowing it, but abiding in it, living in it, hanging on to it, clinging to it, continuing in it as a believer in Christ. So again, it's as if Jesus spoke to me and to you today. What are we going to be? Hater, waiter, taker. Circle it. Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. His word is so rich and so helpful, and yet we just scratch the surface. But there's enough there to know that the truth will set you free. First of all, you have to hear the truth, and you did. That salvation is by faith alone in Christ. Then you have to believe that it's truth, and it is truth. The Bible is the inspired word of God and is backed up historically, scientifically, prophetically, archaeologically. You can depend upon the veracity of scripture by outside source that will prove it. And if it wasn't true and been disproved, we wouldn't have the Bible today. But even that's not enough to get you saved. Now you've got to be the one that places all of your faith, as little as it might be, as young as it might be, in Jesus Christ who is the Lord who died for you. Now, that begins to set you free. Is there anyone in here that's having that conversation with the Lord right now? You're moving from a hater to a taker. You're moving from a waiter to a taker. And you in your own heart of hearts is saying to the Lord, Lord, I'm depending upon you for the full forgiveness of all my sin. I know that my father, so to speak, was a murderer and a liar. His name would be Satan. But I want to get into your family where you are my father. I am your son and I can never get out of your house and I will be in it forever and I'm trusting you. I'd like to pray for you. No, I'm not going to have you stand up, come forward. There's nothing special or powerful in that. And I'm not going to have you raise your hand in a way for me to have to pray for you by name. I'm going to ask you to just slip up your hand silently and put it down. And I'm just going to say thank you or God bless you. And then I'm going to just quietly pray for you in front of all the dear people here, but not describe you nor mention your name. But in a sense, not pray you into heaven because my prayers can't do that. But welcome you into God's forever family because before you raised your hand, you trusted Christ. You're just letting me know that today. So in this vast group of people that's in this room, and maybe those of you that are listening on the radio or those who are catching it on the internet, are you ready to call upon the Lord? His name, Jehovah, Yahshua, God who saves, to be your Savior. If you realize that it's by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, for the glory of God alone, on his word, he says, you have everlasting life. So with heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around, is there anyone in here today that by that quiet, private way would slip up your hand and silently let me know that you're trusting Christ and you want me to pray for you? Is there anyone at all? Put it up, put it down, anyone at all. It's all right. It's done in your heart anyway. But how many of you Christians that the Lord really spoke to you that you know you've been a little bit of bondage? There's been some issues going on in your mind, in your heart. And you know that to be set free, you've got to go back to the book and abide in it and do what it says by the power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of God. And it's really him doing it through you in the exchange life. And you want to go back to that again. 
You've waited around. You're ready to get there. And you'd like to have prayer because you know that truth can and will set you free. And you're ready to be free indeed in Christ. Would you slip up your hand? Is there anyone? Amen. Amen. Father, we come before you now. We thank you for your wonderful grace, your unmatchless mercy. for the forgiveness of all sin, cleansed and made right again before you. Thank you, Father, for these dear people, for all of us are on this journey to remain free as we abide in your word. So help us to know the truth because we know how freeing it can and will be for us. Now, Father, as we enjoy this, it's not just about us. It is about us reaching out to others because they are in bondage. They are slaves. And we are here to help them. And so, Father, help us to reach out this next week and bring some more guests in to hear the pure teaching of your word for thy glory alone. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Thank you.